This is the Brisbane Football Review with your host, James Coglin. It's a miracle it's got off the ground in the first place. Scott Owen. Adam, that's Park de Paris. Put some respect on the home of Queensland football. And Adam Pace. Look, I think of what other choice you have. Starting now. Good evening, everyone. We are almost at the end of this massive A-League men's season. And, well, it's probably not really ending with the uh, highest of notes here in the Sunshine State. But we will try and maintain our usual cheery perspective on the Brisbane Football Review. Despite the fact that we have sat through a pair of 2-0 defeats for the Brisbane Raw side. And I'm joined by two guys who sat through with eyes taped open for both of those matches, starting with Adam. How are you? I'm good, uh, and may the fourth be with you. Yes, and uh, Scott, painful those two losses were, weren't they? Yes, they were. They were very, very painful. I had those, um, you know, the, the Simpsons glasses where you had the eyeballs painted on? That <laughs> yeah. was me on. That was me in a couple of these games. The, the Raw season ending with a bit of a whimper, isn't it, unfortunately? It is, and it is the byproduct of what... I feel like can be described as a season from hell, but the good news is this is an hour from hell adjacent, I think is what we've been uh, called by some of the reviews we've found on our podcast platforms. And if you are tuning in for the first time, welcome to the Brisbane Football Review on Clutch Radio. And if you want to get in touch with us, brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Send any comments, questions, segment ideas, player team reviews for the Raw. As Complaints about the Sunday host. Uh yeah, I already filled up the inbox with those. Yeah. Anyway, um, if you uh, want to follow us on the socials, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter, at BNE Football, Instagram, Brisbane Football Review. On those accounts, you will find live uh, coverage of every senior Brisbane Raw match, as well as the coverage of select NPL and FQPL games, including kicking off in not too long from now, the Ipswich Derby and the FQPL, Adam. Yeah, uh, big game, and also it's been a... Plenty of barbs thrown between the uh, Ipswich rivals, so it'll be uh, really good to catch that. Unfortunately, it'll probably have happened by the time you listen to this. So. We're now talking about that instead of what we've seen in the last few days. <laughs> well, and I should just clarify, because it is Ipswich, Adam, you mean verbal barbs, not like physical spiky things, right? Uh, I think it's verbal, but look, it's Ipswich, who knows? <laughs> That's right. I will not be watching that game. I'll be commentating on Gold Coast United, Brisbane Roar in the NPL. The, and I'll uh, be in anywhere near Adam the next time he's in Ipswich after that statement. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And if you are tuning in on Clutch Radio and you want to check out our podcast feed, it's available on Wooshka, A-League Live, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and several other good podcast platforms. And you will also find our NPL Sunday show, which happens strangely enough every sunday at the conclusion of the npl round it's, it's a it's a weird you know out there idea scott isn't it it's revolutionary isn't it it is and it is also your home of the leading source of npl and fqpl one and two men's coverage plus npl and fqpl one in the women's competition as well i'd like to think that we're uh, pretty good at what we do by now aren't we guys yeah we're working on it slowly all right I think that's pretty much all I can really uh, pad out for the introduction. We do have to talk about... We'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you did say you were going to be extra cheery today, Scott, and, uh, well, you seem about as happy as Jar Jar Binks. Well, given this Ooh. is the eight-year anniversary of Brisbane winning their last A-League men's trophy, by the way. Yes, that's seem right. seem about as far away from that at the moment as they've been for a while. Maybe we might... 
Maybe we might discuss some memories of that day uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to bring up about uh, the Star Wars realm. Oh, no one, no, no one's worried about that. I, no, I wasn't either. I just happened to see it on the. <laughs> I completely forgot. on the socials earlier. Yeah, eight years ago today, for those unaware, the Raw beat Wanderers for their third A League championship. There you go. And I completely forgot the, the night that was. Yeah, I completely forgot Star Wars round happened, which yeah. So did everyone else. Yes. All right. Now, I want to start off with a clip actually, and this is from the Paramount Plus post game interview. Tom Aldred talking to uh, John O'Williams in it. I feel like it's kind of the perfect launching point for uh, what we want to talk about for the next 20 or so minutes with the Raw's A-League sides. This is what Aldred had to say after the game. A hard one to take, no doubt. Can you put it into words? I guess frustration is probably the, the easiest word right now for yourself and the team. Yeah, total frustration. Um, got to be careful what I say here because obviously emotions after a game, but we're nowhere near where we need to be. Been at the club three years now. First two years we, we competed and we... we felt we, we could challenge this this season we've been nowhere near it nowhere from, far from where we need to be and uh, as a group as, as a club we, we, we being honest we, we, need, we need to sort that because look we can't be getting beaten in these games just can't well, where's it come from because it's a year's a long time but you, it's changed so much hasn't it oh look it's hard to, 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 to uh, pin it on one thing right now it's just uh, it's just not good enough that, that's the honest answer um players not doing basics, not tracking runners, not competing, not winning first, not winning seconds. So forget talking about all the rest of it, the, the, the basics aren't there right now. Um, yeah, so frustrating. One more game to finish it off, hopefully on a win next week. Yeah, look, we've got, we've got, we've got two more games, we need, to, we need, we need to, 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 to finish it off professionally, it's probably the word, but yeah, look, we need to, we need to get this right. And our thanks to Paramount Plus and Keep Up for that interview, and you know, I know it does come up from time to time, Adam, but it does show that as frustrating as this season has been for the fans as well, it's got to have been just an absolute nightmare for players, especially someone like Aldred, who missed most of the season through injury, and by the time he came back, it was probably a little bit too late for him to make an impact. He's 100% correct that, you know, it, it must be frustrating no end, you know. No players that put on that shirt you would hope, you know, go out there to lose and disappoint the fans and, and whatnot. So I think the frustration is getting, is getting you know, very, very unbearable, especially for the captain of, of this side who he, he himself has struggled this season through injury. But he's, he's spot on, you know. This is a side that, you know, 12 months ago was at least, you know, you know, challenging you know, in the in the finals, and they've gone from that to you know they're gonna they're gonna finish second last, maybe get to maybe get to tenth if results go their way. But uh, and then by that by that standard, that's just, it's just not good enough for for the raw. So I think that's I think that frustration is certainly very clear. And I think that's anyone that is that is associated with the raw. I think uh, in agreement to that. Yeah, we're all we're all fans of the team. That's why we started doing this six seasons ago or whatever it was and I think what what stands out for me as well Scott is the fact that he actually it felt like he really wanted to say a lot more than what he actually did there was a line at the start you know I've got to watch what I say because the emotions are still quite raw but he did then go on to you know uh, call out the effort of some of his teammates no one by name but he did go and say you know you guys are not chasing balls down and not putting in what he feels like is an honest effort by the sounds of it, which to me is even more telling as well. And 
you know, some may say it's good leadership, some may say it's bad leadership. I think it's necessary leadership from the captain of the Brisbane Roar. I think it's good leadership because leadership is not just like saying when everything is good, James. It's when things are going badly, it's pointing it out. And Warren also in his press conference, we don't have this audio for you, but he basically said the same thing that they were in the game for parts of the game and then individual mistakes not tracking a runner concedes a goal and the confidence is completely shot in the side, James. That's very much fair to say, but they they concede a goal with someone not tracking a runner consistently and it's happened all year and it's clear that the frustration from that being a consistent thing over the span of the whole season is clearly getting to to the leadership of the side and I'm not surprised that the frustrations did begin to start to show a bit on Tom Alder in that audio we just heard. Yeah, and again, you know, he's been probably busting his backside to try and get himself back into this side as well because I know I mentioned it would have been about a month, month and a half ago where, you know, should the Raw consider just putting Tom Aldred on ice and saying, it's not our year, let's just get him healthy for pre-season. But, you know, he's worked hard. I've seen him at the end of games, you know, going through the fitness work and everything as well. We should also say congratulations to Tom Aldred uh, with the new mm. addition to the family, uh, which yes. came up as well. So some good news for him in what has been probably a pretty frustrating uh, season professionally, but... Yeah, I, I just I do feel like this is probably one of those things where he probably feels a little bit responsible for it as well, whether it's, you know, through the injury and forced absence and just not being able to display that day-to-day leadership with the uh, first-team squad. Well, that's the thing is about Tom Aldred. I think, you know, no matter, no matter what you, you say, um, what you think about him, he will always give 110%. And the one time that you think that something is off, um, it's, it's it's sort of injury related, as we saw in the Adelaide game, where he came off at half time, mainly due to the you know, it was obviously an emotional week with the birth of his first child. Um, he started to feel a bit of muscle tightness. We we sort of said it that you know he didn't seem like the Tom Aldred of his usual high standard. That is a very high standard, and, um, and yeah, but it's someone you just cannot um, say doesn't put effort in. That, that always puts the effort in. So I think for him to call that start questioning his teammates and saying, well, hey, I can bust my ass 100, you know, 100% of the time. Where, where, where is the effort? I think I think he's right to do that. I think the timing is also quite good as well with it, James. I know the season in terms of the A-League is practically done. They've got 90 minutes against Sydney next week, but they've also got the Australia Cup playoff game a week on, I think it's a week on Saturday or Sunday. Not so exact day, but they've got that crucial game against, I think it's going to be Western Sydney more than likely, away from home to qualify for the Australia Cup, so while the A-League season is done, there's a very important game there for the Raw in the next 10 days or so, which will will help shape the start to the next season. If they're not in the Australia Cup, their pre-season looks very, very different if they are in it, so they do have a very important game coming up and a few home truths now about certain things to try and engender a performance in that game might not be the worst thing yeah, to come out of it. It definitely wouldn't, and you know that was a very pointed thing at the end of that clip as well, saying you know we've got two games to go. It's not just the throwaway, mm. you know, we're both ending our season well below where we want to be, Derby against Sydney FC. Some might even say it's a farewell Steve Corica game, but that's uh, for <laughs> others to work out. But yeah, we are we are hearing this frustration really um, come about. Not and it's been evident in Warren Moon's press conferences. Uh, this is what he had to say about the current frustrations after uh, the game when you guys were in the press conference. I mean, apart from 45 minutes against Adelaide, uh, in the last five or six games, our performance levels have been pretty good. Um, 
what's quite clear, again, when we talk about 23 shots to three uh, tonight, um, and we haven't scored, it's quite simply not good enough. And it's quite clear where we need to improve the squad. Um, and my frustrations there, obviously, it's, you can probably tell. Um, we're all frustrated, the club, the players, the fans. We're frustrated with where we're at. But, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, there is a side there, a squad there, a nucleus of a team um, that can go on and uh, challenge next season, can go and make the top six, can cause a shake against any team on their day in the league. Um, and we've proved it a season earlier. You know, We just needed to get the right recruitment for next season. And if we can do that, um, I'm very confident this squad can progress and move forward. Um, like I said, right now it's tough. It's really tough. Confidence is low. Uh, the results haven't gone our way. Um, but, uh, but the margins are small. And we can turn those margins, we can flip them on its head, and uh, we can turn that into a positive for next season for sure. And that seemed like it really did sort of sum up, you know, the mood going around the roar at the moment, Scott. Yeah, well, I'll let Adam go into a little more detail because it was his question to Warren, but it's, just, it's the frustration of it being the same thing over and over again. It's, it's, they have they have patches in games that look okay. They create some half, opportun- half chances that they don't take and invariably they go down the other end, give up one or two chances, and then the opposition do score through a defensive lap. So that's where the frustration comes from. But it's also the fact it's been a c- consistently the same thing for a sustained period of time now. Adam? Yeah, look, that's the thing is, is that if it's not if it's not uh, lapses in concentration in you know in normal defence like the like the, what led to Lewis Miller goal first first up to break to to make it one nil, it's a, it's a set pieces that are falling apart, which like what happened in Adelaide and the game before that and the game before that. So it's almost like for the players, it's it's like in one thing, it's in patches that there are good things. So you can't just say oh that this 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 team is completely, you know, is completely, you know, a waste of time almost. There are there there are glimmers of hope. The problem is, is that the glimmers of hope are getting cancelled out by some really, really basic errors. Um, and look, I'll, I'll give I'll give credit where it's due. Like the the first goal last last night, that 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 cross from Cy Goddard was a great cross. But if someone's tracking that at the far post and they see Lewis Miller basically you know a player who hasn't scored in the A-League up until that get pretty much a free header uh, to, to head pa- to head it past um, Jordan Holmes if someone's tracking that then it doesn't happen so it's just one of those things where there, there are good patches where you know you think just when you think oh it's, it's finally going to come together that they're going to put it and then it gets um it gets cancelled out by what is a basic errors, and that I think encapsulates what that frustration is. It's almost like one step forward, two steps back. Watching this team sometimes, and it and it does come back to the fact that the raw had what was it twenty one shots on oh, shots towards goal, and about, it was twenty three to three last night. Yeah, to the raw, and that basically just sums up you know a lot of these sorts of games we've seen them have where they'll go and try to. They'll create chances, they'll push, they'll push, but they just cannot kick that door down and get what would be a goal that gives them something to defend. Like, And it is such a massive confidence uh, issue for what is, by and large, actually a pretty young squad overall, Scott. It is a young squad, but again, it's, it is a young squad, but it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the fact that it is a young squad, there's a lot of young players out there and They've got a lot more minutes than I think you would have thought they would have gotten. I think at the start of the year, I don't think anyone would have thought Henry Hall would be starting 17 games 
to this point of the season. I just wonder, James, do you think that maybe the, that they might just be hitting that the typical NFL rookie wall where they might just need a bit more of an extended break in terms of the, they've a lot of ga- they've had a lot of games and the physicality of these games is very different to what all these young players would be used to. I just wonder if they might have just slightly started to run out of petrol a little bit. That is that is exactly what it looks like to me. I mean, we saw Zabala have a bit of a run early on in the season before, um, or while Hingett was out injured. Then, you know, he probably was able to get taken out before the um, like before he really hit that wall. But then you look at the guys who have had an extended run, like Henry Hoare, um, they all, yeah, they all just, it does seem like they've probably played a bit more than they should have. Yeah, I mentioned Henry Hall there, but he's not the only player who's played a lot of football from the, the NPL players stepping out. He's just the player who's played the most games. And I think across, it was not just him, it's a fair few of them who might. You mentioned Zabala. There's a few players who've got their opportunity. I just wonder if they have slightly hit the wall physically in terms of maybe they do need a little bit of time off and to enjoy their off season. But they are play, have played very well. We've got to absolutely say that. The young players, as we said last week on the show, James, they've led the way in the last month. I just wonder if maybe they have started to hit the wall slightly. Well, uh, I want to follow up on that, but um, the young players hitting the wall, that was something that came up in uh, Moon's press conference, wasn't it, Scott? It was. Well, let's hear from uh, Warren Moon on that right now. Uh, I think it's a learning curve for them. I wouldn't say they've hit the wall. Um, It's just a big learning curve for some of these young players. I think there's been highs and lows. Uh, You know, highs for, uh, you know, for players like Henry and Cyrus, they've had good moments this year, but... you know, tonight was a good learning curve for those boys, and uh, you know I think uh, we believe in their qualities, and I think they're they're only going to get better. But um, but uh, yeah, I think I think what it's showing is that uh, uh, we need a lot more improvement in these boys, but they can only get better by the exposure they've had this season. So that was what Warren Moon had to say on the subject as well, and I just want to keep going on that point as well, where you know they've really. Like, they've played a lot, and they've all shown flashes. You know, I think we can all look back at the likes of Eli Adams, Alex Parsons, you know, Lofthouse, he's probably been a little bit limited, but I still maintain he was assigning for next season rather than this one. Um, And just having had the chance to, you know, see a lot of these NPL games up close where a lot of these guys are developing, and compare that to the physicality and speed of the A-League, it's light years apart. It would be like asking a player to go from the A-League to, you know, one of the top uh, divisions in one of the uh, bigger European countries. It is a big leap. And it's also going from training part-time to having to train full-time as well against those sorts of guys who are at that A-League standard. And they were all probably meant to be backup players as well this year, weren't they, James? People like Cyrus Demi was probably meant to be a backup to a Juan Lascano and a Luke Ivanovic. Henry Hall was probably meant to be a backup player to the to um, Nicola Mills, and she's ha- been out with injuries as well to Rio Wada. So the fact that some of those players have either been out injured or haven't necessarily lived up to their billing of what they were meant to bring has meant these younger players have to play a more significant role than we would have thought they were going to at the start of the year. And I wonder if that's starting to just catch up with one or two. I think that's exactly it. I think that's what encapsulates this, this season, is that these young players have been exposed. 
when when they probably shouldn't have. It's all well it's all well and good having young players coming through. We don't want a situation where like where the Raw accused of you know a number of years ago in John Aloisi's last season having dad's army and then no no junior development. The problem is this has gone you know hundred percent the other way. Where I think the young players for whatever reason due to you know, lack of performance you know, from from players that uh, were expected to play better, or injury, or whatever, they've they've, that they've had to play way too many minutes than probably they're accounted for. And you're right; it's a case of the step up is probably too great. I think actually Warren Warren Moon corrected you, Scott, in the um pre- the press conference said, "Oh, it's a learning curve." And look, I actually agree with both of you on on that. I think that yes, it is a learning curve. That, that they that they have to step up and that this is what is the standard that's expected, but I also I also agree with Scott with his his terminology that he can tell that these young players have basically you know they have for, to coin for lack of a better term they have hit a wall because um, I think the what they're being asked to at their young age is probably too much to expect in their first full season of A League football. They just don't look as sharp, do they, James? No. Look, they don't look as sharp as they did a month ago. They don't. And I think it's also probably just the fact that they really have battled to try and just win a game lately as well. And I think it's probably going, it probably would be a very different story if they had have been able to, you know, pinch that victory game on Anzac Day or something where then there's something tangible to say, yes, we brought in the youngsters like Adam starting that day, um, et cetera, et cetera. And they're coming on and saying like, oh, okay, we can actually do it at this level. And, that is something that has to be an unbelievably tough task for uh, Warren Moon right now, where he's got to not only balance like rotating these young players through, but he's also got to make sure he isn't relying too heavily on these guys in what are you know gut punch defeats, where you're probably going to see them uh, losing quite a bit of confidence compared to what they would have had in the NPL last year when they were you know running right over quite a few teams. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. No, I, I actually think that he probably has over-relied, but not by choice. Um, and this, I think this is this is the the uh, problem. Like you can always bring in, you can always bring in players. You know these young players to you know fill in gaps and play the last twenty minutes of a game, especially if it's in you know in garbage time. But the fact that you know these are young players that are starting who we thought would no, be nowhere near that. In the end, it will be a payoff because at least they're gaining experience. I, I liken. This raw side at the moment is to where Central Coast Mariners were probably two seasons ago, where it was an over-reliance of young players, and they were, get, they were getting outplayed. Uh, but eventually, they, they got it right, and I'm hoping that you know the lessons of Central Coast Mariners, who again they're not they're not the you know, the best team in the league at the moment, they're, but they they're gonna, they're getting up there. And and I think by Nick Montgomery's um sort of by by his. His sort of you know, talk in the press conference, that was by far their, their best effort last night, but still, three shots on goal and, and score two goals and and it's, it's, it get out of Brisbane with a win. I think that's a, a credit to the way they play. But uh, yeah, for, for Raw, I just think it's a case of, yeah, it's it's just way, way too much, uh, too soon for the, for the young players, based simply because of injury and probably a lack of performance of players that we probably expect to... Um, be, be better. You mentioned the Mariners. If you look at Garan Quall, the, go- the second goal scorer last night. Outstanding, outstanding work he's done since he's entered that Mariners. I mean, he's coming off the bench, James, consistently in a side which has got some really good senior players out there in his role performing, and he's getting good mentorship from them. And that's 
really the difference, isn't it? The young players at the Raw having to, to lead the way. The Mariners aren't relying on Garen Quall to, to lead the line every single game and be the be the outlet every single time. He's coming off the bench and making a good contribution as opposed to at the Raw. They're having to lead the way, and that's the difference between the two situations at the moment. And that just boils back to the frustration that we started this whole uh, discussion uh, with as well. And it does seem like it is boiling down to, for whatever reason, the senior group not delivering in the way that uh, Moon and probably the rest of the um, Raw staff would have been hoping for as well, where, you know, I think without going too far, you look at... Sorry, that drink of water I just had is coming back to bite me, but... You look at the likes of Steinman, Wada, Lascano. They're the three names that seem to have been coming out in uh, the press today. I think was it, uh, AAP had the match report with the quotes on that last night with Moon talking about how, you know, if they had delivered on what they were supposed to, they would be playing. And, you know, we've, like, we've seen it all as well. Like, we've discussed it many a times off the air where the guys that should be leading the way aren't. You know, some of them haven't delivered because of injury and, you know, that is just a part of football as well. But others just have not delivered because they haven't been good enough this year. And that and that is probably the frustrating part of it all, where if you're behind closed doors at, you know, the raw training base, you're probably thinking, like, how did this season go so wrong? And it feels like that's exactly where you're going to be uh, pointing the fingers at. Yeah, we've been hinting at this on the show for a while, James. We've played audio clips from Warren Moon where he's been hinting that he's been unhappy with some of his players in the last couple of months. And last night he mentioned the three of them by name. And it's fair to say, it was actually the first time we got the hint of this, James, was the Wellington game at home where they lost 3-0, which was a month ago. And since then, in that game, all three of them, by the way, were substituted on or before the hour mark. And since then, two of the three haven't played. And the one who has played, Juan Lascano, has made one start for a little over 100 minutes of football. So... It's fair to say that they haven't quite worked out, have they? Yeah, That's putting it very mildly. I know we'll probably get into it more in our season recap in a couple of weeks, but those three in particular were meant to have big, big important roles in this side this year, and it hasn't worked for any of them. And just before we go to you, Adam, I think you know we will discuss that sort of stuff in a lot more detail in the season in review show in, I want to say, two weeks from today, there or thereabouts. Let's just say that anyway. Yeah. Um, but you look at the way that this... Like this side is now set up where like, they can't just afford to go on holidays because they've got uh, a match still to go. But it does feel like we're kind of getting an idea on who's probably already been told that uh, their time with the Brisbane Raw may be starting to wind down. Well, those that are healthy and not playing as well, because we know there are a couple of players that are injured and unavailable for selection because of that. Yeah, I think, but I think as well the important sort of distinction that we sort of that you know, came up both from Tom Aldred and Warren Moon as well. It's not just one; it's just not one A League game to go. Like I said, this is a huge game. This is Australia Cup playoff because, as Scott alluded earlier to, the the whole preseason program and the way it's shaped hinges on the result. Of this, I, I dare say, is this is this the Raw's grand final? You know, to, to at least salvage something from this season is that is that playoff match against the um 
against the, the Wanderers, and you can you can look at it as, as any way you like. You know, you can almost almost call it as you know like a quasi relegation match almost. That that's how much is riding on this. But um, yeah, and, that, and the thing is, is that somehow, some way, this this group needs to you know find a way in the next two games to at least you know get something out of this, or otherwise this, this will be a complete disaster of a season. Uh, like for the Raw not to be participating in the Australia Cup, uh, it would be an absolute disaster. Scott? Absolutely, would. I mean, we all love the Australia Cup, don't we, James, in terms of what we all get, enjoy getting out and covering it, and not just the NPL, also the Raw, and they did, did quite well in it this year, won a couple of games that's gone the first they ever have, and the, the thing about the Australia Cup for the A-League side is it presents really great opportunities to get some competitive minutes early in the pre-season that can really set you up for the season ahead, and if they don't have that hit out in the round of 32, potentially round of 16 and on and on beyond that, where do you get those competitive minutes from? Because it's 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 not it's not the same as getting minutes in the legs against local sides on a midweek game where that where it's a lower intensity as opposed to a a full on hit out in a competitive game. So it's absolutely massive for all the A League sides to be in the Australia Cup and this these playoff games, not just the one Brisbane, but also the other one, are absolutely imperative for these sides going forward. Just yeah, I said the Australia Cup, and this not only for, from the fans as well has um, has changed the way you know, we think of uh, football as well, and that link between member federation clubs and the A League, but also as well, it has shaped it has shaped the uh, the A League's preparation, the club's preparation on this, and and how they approach their their preparation because of the early games in in the season, and um, yeah, I think to to lose that game, at least, at least with when this is the first time that you'll actually have two two teams that will start their season without the, the Australia Cup because this season the Australia because of COVID the play the the playoffs happened you know as basically during the start of the season. They basically the, became the a pre-season hit out for those sides that missed out anyway. Yeah, and on that as well, like, that's got to be the hard part as well for some of those guys that know the Australia Cup playoff will be their last time in a Brisbane Raw shirt. And that's also where you hope that, you know, the, it is still a professional league, uh, the A-League, and those guys know that, all right, if I am leaving the Raw, let's try and end this on something resembling a high note, or at the very least, an above-average note. And that's the sort of thing where they can come back and and also they're all going to be auditioning for their next contract, you would think, as well. So there is something to play for. But it does lead to... Uh, the final point on this I want to get to is we know there will be changes. I don't think it's going to be limited to the playing squad, but I am I, I am really on edge about who it's going to be and who's going to be the one making, um, making way for a fresh idea. Now, we have seen quite a few, uh, you know, complaints for Moon to be fired in the off-season, you know, that he's not up to standard and everything. I feel like doing that would be scapegoating, and I will put my hand up and say I'm going to probably give uh, Warren Moon a longer leash than others might, in large part because I like the guy, and I do think he is a very good coach with a great attitude towards developing young talent. I'm a little bit biased towards that and want him to be given as much of a go as possible, but, you know, that's kind of the way it works, and I do think that if... I do think he's done enough since taking over from his predecessor that... You know, he has earned maybe another chance at it before you go and throw him uh, into the scrap heat. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that the three of us have 
known Warren Moon as a coach for a lot longer than just his time at the Brisbane Roar, and we are very, very big supporters of his, and we were obviously very happy when he got the job three years ago to get the chance. I think he's done quite well as well to come in in a situation that he has. It's not been easy, and he's had two top four finishes. This season has not quite worked out, so I certainly think it's worth another opportunity, no doubt about that. But I also see the frustration from the fans who don't necessarily have that same attachment, James. They are now yeah. six games without a win, and it's only happened three times previously, and one of those was John Aloisi spend over the course of two seasons. So it's it's a rare thing for the Raw to go six games without a win, and if it does become seven or eight games without a win to end the season, I can understand the frustration, no doubt about that, because things are not working at the moment in terms of the way anyone wants them to. And that, and that's why I you know gave the uh, little note as well, why I'm happy to defend Moon on something like this. It's by and large, because like, he's... Treat, always treated us uh, quite well and with respect, and you know I I like the He's guy. Also a really good coach. That too, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, coaching coaching ability aside, like I'm going to admit that you know I do have you know a bit of personal investment in that. Oh, I just think I uh, I even the whole, I, we don't have to put in the personal point of view. Now I'm huge huge support of his as well. But uh, I think what it comes down to, are you willing to sack a coach that who has top four features? Have we have we uh, are the fans got that such a short memory that that this is only this season where the, the wheels have sort of fallen off? Uh, it was always going to happen with a large turnover player and an influx of young players. Uh, there's also probably other external issues as to why the squad is not up to up to a standard that is capable of reaching the finals this year. Is, is there injuries or not? I don't necessarily think that he is at fault for that. I will say this, is that he's probably in that territory now of which I give every coach that after a bad season, that come Christmas time, if things haven't approved, then uh, I think he might be in a bit of trouble as far as keeping his job. But I think at least for this off-season... It's going to be his team, and I think he he has certainly earned the right to at least lead this lead this uh, club for the first half of next season. And taking all of that um, out of it as well, I just keep asking myself: Would any coach of any A League coach have been able to get uh, anything more out of this squad as well? And based on what we've seen, and you know some of the other things that have been going around, I don't think so. I think you know maybe you throw uh, Arsene Wenger or Sir Alex Ferguson in there and maybe they can put a rocket up uh, the team and get them in maybe into the finals but I think your average A-League coach is probably going to be producing at or about the same level as what we've seen right now honestly this is the Socceroos problem uh, it's the same as the Socceroos problem at the moment the problem is not the coach it's the squad that he has utilised obviously at least that he has the power and control to be able to change that in such a short time so, look, I just think, yeah, any suggestions that Warren Moon should be sacked after the season, I think are ridiculous based on the results previously as well as the current squad. It hasn't worked out. Get over it. There's one difference. Warren Moon has produced results and got the team into the finals. What's Graham Arnold done? But anyway, we'll save that for the, um, we'll save that we'll for the Socceroos special in June. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're going to have to do a podcast for that, aren't yeah. we? But Warren Moon does have two top four finishes. It's important to remember that. And I think people discredit the first of those because he came in towards the back end of the season. But they did play at least one third of their games in that season under Warren Moon's management. He did steer the ship and get them that top four finish with all bar one game on the road. So it's important to remember that as well, that he has got two top four finishes to his name in 
in what is three seasons. And if you do want to, you know, try and denigrate that opportunity, I feel like you, you still have to say he maintained a top four finish for the Raw um, in that half season he was in charge down in the Sydney hub as well. So, yeah, that that's really a lot longer than I expected to spend on this topic, but there we go. A uh, couple of quick bits of... Uh, news as well. The Leeds and Villa tour that was uh, hinted at on last week's show in my absence. Thanks for covering uh, for me guys, by the way. It was you know, nice of you to do that while I was up uh, commentating up at Redcliffe. Eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. You got out of the commentary box somehow. Yes. After we lost the key. Yes, and was able to actually get up there in person and saw uh, Penn Power maintain the uh, Football Foundation Cup. Anyway, um, Leeds and Aston Villa. That's going to be uh, a, another pair of English clubs. I don't want to say Premier League clubs because Leeds are in just a little bit of trouble at the moment. Um, yeah, they're going down. <laughs> <laughs> well, the slanging match begins. Someone's feeling <laughs> a lot more confident after uh, his side beat Chelsea. I was hoping they would do yeah. this last <laughs> night with uh, Matt, the media manager, a big Leeds fan as well. So a little Adam Neverton fan. I was hoping there was going to be a little bit of barbs flying and they were both quite restrained. I think they're both actually quite nervous. <laughs> if that does happen next Tuesday, we will video it for you and post <laughs> it on our social accounts. It's good being mid-table sides where nothing matters, James. I can assure you of that. Speak for yourself. I'm in a top four race with my club. It's great. It's a friend of my team, not yours. Anyway, back to the two actual games. I mean, yes. we, we, we it was all but announced last week that they, Leeds and Aston Villa were coming basically to replace the tournament which was meant to be West Ham and Crystal Palace. They've got two different teams in, but... I don't, look, we, I think we all understand that my personal opinion is these games offer very little to the football industry here in Australia, but the way they were announced last week with the Raw were pretty much glossed over by all and sundry who were at the, at the announcement. It was almost like the Raw were not a part of it. Oh, Leeds and Aston Villa are coming here to play. Oh, no, by the way, they are playing against the local side Brisbane, but there wasn't as much given credit to them, and it was very disappointing for me to see politicians from this part of the world more interested in a couple of Premier League slash Championship sides coming over as opposed to the local side and giving them any sort of credit. So I was just, I was disappointed by that, James, to be honest with you, but I wasn't surprised. Yeah, it's, it's one thing that I think that uh, it, it, it just shows in a way where we're at as in Australian football at the moment. Look, I, I, I think that these these uh, friendlies are a... They're, they are a... Um, Necessary evil, I think, as far if you want to call that a necessary thing, uh, as an attempt to try and somehow, you know, foster some some you know football support in general. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, I think I think the important thing is to try and find any sort of positive out of that. Is that I think that the that hopefully that the participation fee that the raw is getting is going to be substantial enough to at least you know mean something. Yeah, you know, I think that's. I think at the end of the day, we've got we've got to sort of accept the fact is that that this these preseason games are about the visiting sides. The Raw are just a participant in that, even though they're the home team, if you want to call it that. And I know there've been a few sort of you know people out there say that agree with Scott the way that these politicians who you know oh, I'm sick I'm sick of politicians around. It's three weeks to go, so. Um, yeah, that's a, that. You know, they're, they're always going to gloss over the Raw's part in that, or even show any local parochialism. But look, it it, it is what it is, and uh, yeah, we just got to deal and hope that you know at least something good comes out of it. Uh, yeah, 
my two thoughts on this. Firstly, which player is going to go uh, and grow the cornrows like Luke Bratton did against Liverpool a few years ago to try and get noticed by scouts? Jesse Daly. <laughs> Will he have enough hair for cornrows? I'm not sure. I was just picking a name and at random. Uh, secondly, I did see quite a few complaints about the Raw's games being on the Gold Coast and in Townsville. This is about... The Raw had as much to do with the planning of this as uh, most NFL clubs do when they go to London or Germany or Mexico in this case as well. It's like, they're just there. Like, they were invited to take part of it because the friendlies are being taken part, uh, taking part in Queensland. It's not a... It wasn't like, you know, the Raw went over to England and said, hey, come play us. We'll sort out all the accommodation and stuff. This is a tournament that's been planned by an external promoter that the Raw were invited to play in as well. That is why they're not playing their games at Suncorp Stadium. Yeah, they're just going to turn up and play. Whether where they're, where they're told to play and they'll, they'll collect their participation fee. And that pretty much is the extent of it for the Raw. I would like to see... Because I remember the last time a mediocre Premier League side came out here from the UK and played the Raw at Suncorp. It was, there was no Raw memorabilia at all that you could purchase on the night whatsoever. And that, to me, was really disappointing. And I hope that they're able to find a way to actually... When they do have a, a captive audience, particularly down on the Gold Coast, where a lot of a lot of people from Brisbane will travel down to the Gold Coast for that game. Hopefully some of them will be supporting Brisbane. We'll have to wait and see. But I hope they are able to capture some of that audience of the selling some merchandise, maybe advertising themselves to a captive football audience, which they were not able to do in any way in that game four years ago at Suncorp. And that, to me, was the most disappointing thing back then. Four or five, whatever the amount of years ago it was. It was the game against um, Liverpool. I don't like mentioning, but that was when Merseyside came Merseyside Red, I think, is the official... Mersey, mediocre Merseyside Red, that's exactly what they are. But when they came out, everything was about them and there was nothing there about the Roar, including the stadium name got changed as well. So hopefully that sort of stuff doesn't happen this time and the Raw can get some tangible benefit in addition to their participation fee because last time, the only thing you could find from the Raw was half a page in the official tour program and that was basically about it. For, yeah, forget um, merchandise. Get memberships there. Both. Uh, Have yeah. both there. You would hope... You, I would actually be hoping that by that stage we know where the Raw home games are going to be played next season as well because... I believe it was a two-year deal with Morton Daly Stadium. So you would hope that... some for another show. Though. Yeah, but I'm, ju- I'm just talking about, like, with that game, get like get your merchandise stand out there, but also get the membership team out there as well. They should be on sale by that uh, point in time. So why not, you know, go all out and say, yes, let's, you know, here's how you come to three games, five games, seven games, a full season. If they're not, get expressions of interest from people. I, if you haven't got them on sale by that point, go down that path. They, have, they should have, so they should be able to have somebody there to help leverage the situation from their benefit. Because the last time, a couple of times, that has not been the case. Actually, you know what they, you know, it would be a great idea, and I not like it's it's so much easier to spend someone else's money uh, than your own. You've seen what the Mariners <laughs> are doing um, this time around, right? With uh, this weekend coming up for the F three Derby, bring a mate to the Derby, bring ten. We don't care, just fill the stadium. If you're a member, if you're like if you're a paid up member yeah. of uh, mm. the Brisbane Raw, and you like bring as many friends as you want, who have bought tickets to the preseason friendlies to the season opening game, something like that. Yeah. And again, yeah. it's, it's a lot easier to spend someone else's uh, money, which is why I'm more than happy to do it on this forum where we've got a few hundred people listening to us. But uh, yeah, that 
like why not try something like that tie in going to that game to you know getting a some sort of access to a, to the raw as well nothing nothing like taking uh taking advantage of impulsive football fans uh, before during after a game and look i agree with you i think from a marketing uh, point of view yeah even even if it's not covered in sort of you know in the in the front front line as far as the way you mark this games yeah figure out a way to to do it to the benefit of the raw because this is what it should be all about if if the promoters aren't going to help and they're just going to chuck the raw on you in the small stadiums because let's face it we always knew that aston villa v leeds was going to be the suncorp game and you know it 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 was always going to be it because that that was always going to be the highest drawing game but but I think also as well, I think that for Gold Coast, especially Townsville as well, it is a great opportunity to build some regional fan base for, for, for the Raw. So, look, I think it's, they're just going to find a way to somehow take advantage rather than just you know, sit there you know, and, and just say, oh, well, you know what, we're taking part and you know we're, we're proud to be part of the Queensland Champions Cup. Actually try and build to your advantage. Yeah, that that would be the... Yeah, the... yeah you guys got because the worst thing that can happen is what happened the last time this happened was when you created 50,000 new Merseyside Red fans. The, the lots of last, well, you don't, we don't need another 30,000 Leeds fans here in Brisbane or 30,000 oh, Aston Villa hard. fans. We just, we, they need, not going to get 30,000 Brisbane fans out of it, but you need some Brisbane fans to come out of it. Was, the promoters clearly don't care. They just want, they just want people in the seats and then they don't really worry about it. But from a Brisbane broad perspective, they need to get a tangible benefit out of these games if they're going to continually participate for me. Yep, that that makes. And so sense. far, I think the, the, so far the only time they've got any real tangible benefit was the first real games when they played Super Sport United and Palmeiras in the old old Translink Raw against Racism Cup, where it was much more built around the Raw as opposed to built around the travelling European side coming out. Who whoever forgets the Celtic 35,000 people at that game. I was I was one of them. But for that 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 felt like you know at least the raw had some sort of part to it. At the end of the day, it was filled with green and white. But you know, still the raw at least had something. You're right. That Liverpool game pretty much whitewashed any mention of the raw, other than the fact that they were eleven orange players on the field. Yeah, that's it. And they um, should have won the game. I, could, yep. I honestly couldn't tell you anything about that game other than Luke Bratton's cornrows. The youth team held um, the Merseyside Reds to a standstill in the second half, and they won the game by a, a lucky deflection. Oh, there you go. Any but, Liverpool fans want to argue it, send me an email. BrisbaneFootballReview at gmail.com. I'll send you the highlights. <laughs> I, I get them on my phone. I will see them. <laughs> but that being said... No, I mean, I'll send people the highlights of the game, not, not you. All right. Um... Yeah, the only other, the only other point as well is like you get you see the comments. Oh, the Roar are going to get tonked 10, 11, 12 nil. No. It's a preseason friendly. Even if they do, it's not going to make a damn bit of difference about like the squad for the you know upcoming A League season. So these games no, really don't no, matter to the to the coaches, James. If, the, if you yeah. mess, if they're, they're literally there for the fans and for the clubs to make some money. If you mess with their training sessions, that's a different story. They matter. The games are really just to get minutes in the legs. Yeah. So and that's why that's why all these games have been competitive. I think Raw beat Everton. Oh no, Everton beat the Raw very much in the last minute in 2010-11 under Ange Postecoglou. Yeah, you get that right. Liverpool barely beat the Raw four or five years ago. It's about the minutes in the legs and training as opposed to the actual result in the game. So I think 
these games will be close, albeit largely irrelevant in terms of the result. And four four nil will be a blowout. I don't think it'll get to that. Like for those who are saying, "Oh, you know, Raw needs a better squad and all that." Oh, come on, give me a break. No, it, it again. It, it, it games. They even even the, like the Raw, even their current struggles will not get beat. At very very worse, more than two three nil in these in these Queensland Champions Cup games. I'm not gonna say a guarantee. But I'd be very, very surprised because it's not—it's not about embarrassing the hosts. It's about, as Scott said, putting um, feet in the lead. That, that's, that's just trying to, you know, the usual, the usual, you know, pissing contest about, you know, oh, European football is so much better than than Australian football, which is absolute garbage when it comes to pre-season. And also, just in terms of that uh, Euro snob attitude as well. I would strongly recommend checking out the latest Australian football stories on uh, Ned's featuring John Cosmina, where he's got a pretty like interesting uh, opinion on that sort of attitude uh, with Australian football fans as well. Anyway, we will move on now because uh, we are getting to the end of our recording time, and also I have to go get ready to uh, commentate, and I probably should reintroduce myself to my son at some point. Um, and we'll quickly talk about the NPL highlights from the last week. And uh, I'm just going to say, I did not see Olympic belting the living daylights out of Penn power, but uh, they did six one and uh, a pretty solid uh, and impressive result for Ben Khan and the um, red and white boys. Scott, what about you? What stood out? Well, Ben Khan was quite happy with the performance. Don't about that, particularly with his attacking intent. That, to me, was the best attacking performance that I've seen over, over a sustained period of time in a particular game so far this season. They were absolutely dynamite, weren't they, on Sunday night. And Zach Kiepel has added something really different to Olympic that they haven't had. We know they've made four straight grand finals, haven't quite been able to crack it for a trophy in the Ben Khan era, but this side looks a more complete, particularly in the front. Though. Zach Kiepel just adds that, that reference point in the front that they haven't had, and those combinations are really, really clicking at the moment, and it's early in the season, no doubt about that. It's a long, long, long way to go. They play Lions this week. You'll get a better indication after that, but right now they look like they are going to be up there once again, and they were, to me, the, the biggest story of the weekend. I know Adam will talk about Morton Bay now, so we might just take a break, Adam. <laughs> might take a break, James. Sorry. No, no, I was, I was actually going to say, I think um, as as great as it was seeing uh, Morton Bay put uh, nine on Kapalaba, I also think, yeah, Olympics' uh, performance over Peninsula Power was, was not my standard. That was just, uh, yeah, they, they really, you know, put a marker down that they are the favourites at the moment, at least until uh, they play Lions on the weekend, which I think is also going to be, you know, a massive game uh, what in what seems to be sort of rivalry week. Yep, definitely. And um, we will just quickly mention as well. Um, yeah, so we've got a little bit more coming up as well. Uh, tonight I'm on the M1 Derby, which you'll know by the time uh, you listen to it. And we've got a massive weekend coming up. 4.30 Saturday, Gold Coast Derby. 6 o'clock, Morton Bay Derby. Penn Power, Morton Bay. Uh, 6.15, Kapalabar Logan. And then 7 o'clock, Lions Olympic. It's going to be a very, very busy Saturday uh, on FQTV. Sunday... Three big games all on one day. Yes. Not great mm. scheduling, unfortunately, is it? Yeah. Uh, Sunday, City East at 3, and then 6 p.m., Sunshine Coast Wanderers, Brisbane Raw. So if you're done with your Mother's Day uh, commitments by 3 o'clock, then you're all set. If not, you can always catch it up on demand. Now, um, 
We should also mention, uh, very quick, happy birthday to the voice of Queensland football, Simon Smale. Uh, happy 21st, again. And uh, <laughs> many happy and many happy returns. The voice of Queensland football and the best South End United fan I know. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird thing. I know more South End United fans than I do, like, a dozen Premier League clubs. Yeah, I was going to say the only South End fans, but but yeah, actually, there's actually there's quite a bit of an enclave of them. So, yeah. so yeah. Yes. All right. And now coming up next for the Brisbane Roar, their final A League game of the season against Sydney FC Tuesday night up at Morton Daly Stadium. At that game, we will be presenting the Brisbane Football Review Player of the Year award. So, uh, if you've been following uh, our votes all season long, you might have a pretty good idea on who's going to win it. If you haven't. You'll just have to wait and see on uh, Tuesday. And in the meantime there, uh, we will end what has been a pretty negative podcast overall on what I think is a pretty, you know, fun note, that Raw Wanderers Grand Final. Adam, why don't you take us through your memories of it? Uh, my memories of that, other than what happened with the pitch was uh, Scott fainting, or almost fainting uh, during during uh, extra time. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Stop. that actually did happen. I got about an hour and a half <laughs> sleep before this this game I genuinely couldn't sleep before it so I did get there relatively early on the day and oh, yes and after, oh, as the second goal did go in my legs did give out but it didn't stop the celebrations afterwards it was yeah. a wonderful night probably the best of the three grand finals in terms of pure atmosphere because you had a genuine atmosphere from the away bay as opposed to with the Mariners and Glory it made for a great atmosphere and a, a wonderful occasion hopefully it's not too long James before we might see Brisbane pushing back towards that kind of a kind of an occasion hopefully we can only hope all right um the other point on that as well i will say is um yeah i just remember it was oddly cold that day as well like i wasn't that cold it was would still been like 17 or 18 degrees but for queen southeast queensland standards that was a pretty cold and uh windy day and i just remember when that second goal went in the person behind me was holding one of those cups of beer in their hand and you could just see him, like, squeeze it out of reflex for uh, celebration. And it just went straight down the back of my neck. It was cold, and I could not give two hoots about it. So, yeah. it, it's, Well, it was the latest uh, Orange Sunday that we had. The first the first uh, two were sort of in, I think it was early, was early February. February early March this was, two, I think. Yeah, on March, yeah, where this is a May grand final where it does get a little bit more chillier. So, uh, but yeah, no, look, in all seriousness, my, my, um, my biggest memory is actually um, when, when Enrique scored the the um, goal in extra time, just seeing the whole den go up as one. I was, we saw footage um, of it from the uh, their media manager at the time who took a photo from from there um just it was just an amazing shot where you know it was just basically when that the ball hit the back of the net just everyone going up in unison it was, it was you know one, one of the you know, best moments to be part of definitely and uh it's a shame you don't count the uh, cowbells from perth as a traveling act of support scott oh, i shouldn't be too harsh on perth that was a very good effort from them to bring so many yeah. all the way across from from perth to be fair but that was by far they had their 10,000 wanderers fans coming up or Somewhere in that vicinity, anyway. That four. Was allegedly was, ten, but I think it was probably close to four. No, I remember their media manager at the time actually said like there, it was at or around four, maybe closer to five thousand, but it definitely wasn't the yeah. hundred and forty-seven thousand that <laughs> yeah. claimed to have been there. That, no, 
as legend goes on, that number of travelling RBB that day will grow. So, but in about in about forty years' time, that would have been two hundred fifty-five thousand. Uh, I've I've heard that the whole stadium was full of Wanderers fans. So, you know, well, apparently out seeing the rest of the stadium. So, yeah. all right, so that was actually the the pinnacle of the Brisbane Raw support back then as well. That was the den that year was unbelievable, and it was a great the culmination of the well season. Absolutely, the TFO before the game. All those things were absolutely fantastic, and it was the culmination of a really good year of active support, and hopefully, again, the Raw can get that back in the not-too-distant future. Definitely. Um, there was one last question that actually uh, I did just remember about uh, as well that came up in our um, Facebook thing, which I do want to get to. Uh, Luke asked, um, could you please car- clarify what happens if the Raw Youth finish in the bottom two in the NPL? Um, do either of you know the answer to that, or will that have to be a thing we research for Sunday? My understanding is that they would be safe. Them and the QAS is my understanding. They can't get relegated, but we will endeavour to get an official answer and get back to you. There we go. Okay, Luke, so we did see your comment. Uh, we'll we'll see what we can find out. All right, that is going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, thanks, gentlemen. Thank you, Scott. Looking forward to the season finale next week, guys. Yes, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We're almost at the finish line for the season. Just bear with us for another couple of weeks and we will get you there, hopefully with a bit of a smile on your face. In the meantime, thanks for listening. Get out to the uh, football if you can in the next week, local or the final Raw game uh, for the season up at Morton Daly. Otherwise, have a good weekend and a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers for Sunday. Skype's clear.